There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Ah, welcome to Luke's English Podcast. It's very nice to speak to you. Today on the podcast, I have a great guest and a great conversation to present to you. All you need to do is listen, keep an open mind and get ready to hear about my guest's experiences. There are some great insights and lessons to be learned here about learning a language, in this case, English. Lots of lessons to be learned. And I don't just mean lessons, you know, involving words, grammar and pronunciation, but I'm talking about lessons and insights about how we approach learning a language, the motivation that we need to have in order to help us to deal with the challenges uh, and the attitude that you have to have if you want to get success in this language. And that includes everything, even your own definition of success in learning a language. Okay, that's a lot of stuff to be contained in a conversation. So it's a, it's quite a fast-moving conversation. It's quite enthusiastic. So there are lots of tangents. We go from here to here to here. But it's a natural conversation, which is what I like to present to you on this podcast. Who is the guest today? Well, I'm talking to the Managing Director of the English Language Teaching Division of Oxford University Press. His name is Santiago Ruiz de Valesco. Let me just say that again. Santiago Ruiz de Valesco, I've probably pronounced his name wrong, but you know, I'm not Spanish. Um, he's the Managing Director of the English Language Teaching Division of Oxford University Press. Right? Now, I don't know if you're aware, but Oxford University Press, or OUP, is one of the biggest academic publishing companies in the UK, or in fact, worldwide. They're international. They publish a lot of materials for learning English. If you've ever studied English with a course book or with a self-study book, uh, or maybe online in, in various ways, if you've used any of Oxford's materials online, or if you've worked as an English teacher yourself, the chances are that you've used some materials, some books published by Oxford University Press. For example, the English File series, the Headway series and others. Okay, so Santiago is the managing director of the division of Oxford University Press that publishes all this, all the material I've just mentioned. Okay, so this is a big job, right? He's kind of like the boss, one of the big bosses of English language teaching, you could say. Um, so yes, his obviously, his job is obviously very interesting. And I could have asked him all about that. What does Oxford University Press do and how does, how does it do it? How do they deal with the publishing and the editing and the writing of their materials and all that stuff, all the industry stuff? I could have asked him all about that. But as you will hear, in fact, we spent most of the time talking about his 
experiences of learning English. And this turned out to be where all the enthusiasm and the passion were for us during this conversation on this particular day. English is not Santi's first language, right? Uh, but he has learnt it, or maybe I should say he has been learning it because it's never really finished. Um, he's been learning it and using it as an adult, right? So he, he didn't pick it up as a child. It's something he's learnt as an adult, just like most people out there, I suppose, listening to this or watching this. And Santi uses English every day in his job in a, you know, as I've as I've mentioned, a quite a high profile, um, big position um, in the English teaching industry. So to be clear, this is a conversation with one of the big bosses of English teaching, but it's about how he personally has struggled and succeeded with English over the years. Okay, so that's what you're going to get. No need for me to ramble any further here in the introduction to this episode. I will let the conversation speak for itself now. Um, but remember, keep an open mind. English is a diverse language. It's about making a connection with people and not about achieving some abstract notion of perfection in the language. Okay? So this is a conversation about the reality of learning English, the joy, the frustration, the comfort zone, and stepping out of that comfort zone every day. Okay? That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Well, you'll see. It's a great conversation. I'm really happy that uh, I've managed to record it and that I can present it to you. So without further ado, let's crack on and get started and let's meet Santi. Here we go. I guess the first thing I should ask you about is is your work and your yeah. role at Oxford University Press. Also, I'd yeah. like to ask you about your experiences of learning English, your own experiences. Let's start with your work. So as far as I understand it, you are the Managing Director of the English Language yeah. Teaching Division of OUP. So what does that actually mean? Yeah, well, you know, OUP, is Oxford University Press, is a part of the University of Oxford that is focused on the creation of content that is can be academic and educational resources that, you know, to kind of develop the learning and, and to be as widespread as possible. So within Oxford University Press, you have three main divisions. One is the academic division, which is kind of focused on journals and, and academic publications and courseware. Um, and then you have the educational division, which is much more about the K-12 type of learning, basically in the UK and some other international countries, especially Commonwealth type of countries uh, that have a similar kind of, um, you know, UK curriculum or, 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 sim or similar. They do local curriculum for that. And the third division is the English language teaching. So basically the, the teaching of English worldwide. So we create content and assessment um, just for people to, you know, deliver the teaching of English. And that's, that's the division I'm, I'm leading. I see. All right. So, so that, in that includes things like all the published materials that people might be familiar yeah. with. But also other things like yeah. assessment, as you said, like the Oxford English Test. Is that what it's called? Exactly. Yeah, Oxford English Test. There's a couple of other things that are Oxford Placement Test as well. So yeah, all those areas. And then now, as you can probably expect, quite a lot of digital content as well. You know, obviously the world is just moving towards the digital delivery. So just creating digital content to be able, you know, to be used in different formats. Okay, and you're the managing director of this yeah. third 
sort of division of Oxford yeah. University yeah, Press. But, wow, so you're like the boss of English teaching, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I I say that to myself every night when I want to actually. Yeah, I am the boss. I mean, it's the only part of my life that I feel the boss. After that, you know, uh, in the rest of my life, I'm not 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 much of a boss. But yes, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's roughly correct. <laughs> Obviously, there are com- there are other competing bosses in the industry. There's yeah. probably another one who works for Cambridge and all the yeah. other companies. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so Cambridge, you know, Cambridge, Pearson, Macmillan, uh, you know, that's kind of the, our, you know, usual suspects. I work for some of them in the past. Uh, I also work, I was uh, kind of also managing the English division for the British Council, uh, you know, until uh, just before joining Oxford. So, so it's kind of a, a little bit of an ecosystem on the English world. Yes, I see. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll we'll come back to your work and stuff in in a, in a bit, and you you know what there's lots of things I could ask you about that. But before we do that, um, let's just kind of get to know you a little bit. And also, I'd like to ask you about your your own learning of English. A lot of my sure. listeners might be interested in sort of how you've done that um, and stuff. So, um, what are some of your own personal experiences of learning English? Uh, first of all, what's your first language? We'll start there. So I, I, I am I am from Bilbao in the north of Spain. So my first language is Spanish. Um, I also speak a bit of, of Basque as well. You know, it's, it's something that we study at school. And now I live in Barcelona, so I'm getting also exposed to Catalan. And I, you know, my daughters, etc., they speak very fluent Catalan. So also that's that's. Uh, but but my my native, you know, native language is Spanish. Okay, so you so you're actually in Barcelona. Yes, this is you know where you are. You are actually filming me in in Barcelona. See, just outside, like thirty kilometers away from Barcelona, a city center. I like I like the countryside. Right. I sort of assumed that you would be in England. You know. Yeah, I go to England pretty much. Well, I'm not going to say every week, but uh, almost every week. Uh, but yeah, th- I have. I mean, I don't know. This might be on the personal side, but I'll I'll let you know, and you can decide to edit or not. <laughs> so I am actually divorced. So my my two daughters are here. So basically, you know, I have fifty percent of the time with my daughters. So when I have with them, I'm here, and then when I'm not with them, I actually spend quite a lot of time in the UK. I see. I see a fully international life that you've got. Fully international, and also the thing is, also most of our learners, if not, are outside the UK. So I think you know it's a, it's quite good to really be able to to kind of spend time in the markets where we really operate. So most of our, or, or a big part of our organization is outside the UK, obviously for you know all, all the people who actually try to uh, promote our content, etc., to the markets they are they are in the world. And actually, Spain is the the number one market for for Oxford. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. So tell me about how you've learned English then. How I learned English. <laughs> I'm still, Big I'm question. still learning. Big question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm still learning as you probably will, will <laughs> no doubt yeah. recognize during the, the podcast. But I started, you know, I, we started at school in, in Spain, okay? but my, it was a very kind of grammar oriented by Spanish people. So I, I never heard English ever until I actually moved to, to the UK. Um, so every movie that we watch here, we dub the movie. So you always watch. And so for me, Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, all these people, they have a Spanish voice. Yeah. It's always also the same actor doing the dubbing. <laughs> so basically, when I went to the to the UK, I, I started, you know, listening at the airport. I remember landing there and I, I thought, okay, yeah, let's see how is this adventure. I, after I finished university, I wanted to have a bit of an adventure with a friend. And we went to the UK and I felt like, what are they talking about? I cannot understand 
anything. So the the the, the first kind of impact in a in an English speaking country was a was quite quite harsh. And I remember, you know, uh, trying to f- look for a flat and people giving you directions and people will say, you know, 28A and I could go to 288. So 288. So, uh, so I, I, I couldn't get any. I mean, it was it was a uh, when the first job I got, you know, like a restaurant, people asking me for a, 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 a Coke and I will bring them the coat. And it was, it, I, I, I couldn't get anything. I was, it was a very kind of dramatic impact. And I thought, wow, all these school years in English for absolutely nothing. So I think I think my first year in in England it was very much about you know trying to get the basics right. And when you work in a restaurant with foreigners, uh, probably what you learn first is the most swearing words. And you know one one every three words is a swearing word. So I think probably it's not the most proper English that I I could have access to. But it was good enough to by the end of the, that year thinking okay I I got my my uh, exam, I did, a, you know, I got a, a B2 and I thought, okay, I'm t- it's time to kind of go back to Spain and start start finding a proper job. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I started applying applying for jobs in Spain and one of the companies saw that I was living in the UK at that point, forward my CV to a UK company and then they called me up and I started working in, a, in, in, in the UK, one of our, my current competitors uh, in 2001, that was. And, and then... Everything changed because all of a sudden my life from being exposed all the time to kind of foreigners, etc. All of a sudden my daily life was with mostly British people in a work environment. The language and the way of speaking there is totally different. And the the type of um, exposure and my day-to-day the the exposure to English was I don't know increased tenfold. I mean I was still living in the UK, but it was a totally different uh, di- different kind of dynamics. And I think that was when I started feeling a bit more. I mean, first of all, a bit more insecure because I thought I, I had a level, and then you realize that uh, you know the way of expressing yourself is very very different. And then when you start getting confidence, then you realize that the the pace of of learning really increases. Ten, tenfold and all of a sudden your friends become English your life becomes much more kind of uh, integrated into day, day to day and I think that was one of the main accelerators of my learning I never lost my accent as you can as you can see but certainly I felt a massive uh, change from my first year in the UK to my second what were some of the big things that like made the difference I mean it's it, this is these are difficult questions that I'm asking you, you here because it's yeah. so hard to explain, isn't it? How we do sort of learn or learn to operate in another language, and a lot of the time, yeah. I mean, I I live in France, and so to an extent, I have a similar experience to you, although I live in an English bubble, which I'm not very proud right. of, you know. And as a result, <laughs> my French doesn't really improve the way it should, you know. I, I've never yeah. been really thrown in at the deep end. I just get little samples of it, like when I try to. Uh, order bread at the boulangerie and the girl doesn't really understand exactly what I've said. You know, I've said I'd like a quarter of, of one of those, a quarter of a half of that, you know, and it's, and, and, and uh, there's only limited time that I can explain myself because there's a big queue of people and it's like, come on, you've got to get your bread. So I'll just, okay, just give me the bread, whatever it is. I don't care, you know, and then I'm done. And then I'm back in my English world again. Um, so, uh, um, can you describe any key moments or key yeah. experiences or maybe even key methods or attitudes that helped you? Yeah. 
I think I think you know it is a very very confidence is, confidence is key and understanding. I think actually French people potentially, especially in Paris, they are quite hard. I think in mm-hmm. terms of of uh, being very forgiving. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think in 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 the sense like my first year, there was not a lot of patience from the people I, I work with. So you ended up kind of pivoting towards other foreigners which had similar problems to you so the level of english that you learn is quite basic is it good enough to understand each other but you really but you are not able to express nuances uh, the t- same type of feelings the same type of uh, uh, concepts that you could be able to speak in your native language so i think it's quite a lot of people who stay at that level for a long time and this good enough because to kind of get by is, is good enough and i think probably i felt that that was my objective initially when i came to the uk it's like a bit of an adventure i finished university then i go back to spain and kind of kickstart my life i think the moment when i got the offer about a permanent role in the uk i almost didn't take it because i was quite looking forward to going back to spain my comfort comf- comfort zone and thinking I, I i speak much better english now than i did a year ago it's, it's time to kind of go home and go back to my friends to my kind of uh, safety net and i think uh, that kind of sense of challenge it was something that i thought like you know what why don't i stay here one more year demonstrate that i can actually do work it will be good for my cv all that kind of all that justification that you give to yourself and in a way i thought like i was a bit reluctant to let kind of fear interfere. I knew that if I was going back to Spain, it was because I was a bit scared to kind of go back to a kind of an 100% English environment. I knew my English was still kind of quite shaky. Mm. And I think what happened uh, is um, that moment of like making the decision whether, okay, you know what, I'll stay one more year. That changed the whole thing. Initially, it was quite nerve-breaking. But the moment that you realize that to express yourself, to really you need to keep on improving. So the level that you have achieved is not enough to really be who you are. And this is the moment that you really want to be who you are. And in fact, I could say something that you end up being a slightly different person in English that you are. I am a slightly different person in English than I am in Spanish because I think a language is not only a communication tool, which is mostly, but it's also, it's got a cultural element to it. And it's a a strong cultural element. So I'm sure that the... The English I learned in the UK, it could, it could be different to the English I learned in the US in the way I express myself. So, and I think it's many examples of that. So, um, where where you realize when I expressing a concept, I realize that obviously the, the substance of the concept is the same, but the way I express in the way I'm, I'm uh, articulating the ideas is different depending on the language that you use. Right. And and I think that 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 jump by staying there and becoming friends with you know people that really live here, native speakers, etc., that puts a lot of you know emphasis on on really developing areas that you could have developed if you just get to that kind of comfortable level, like almost I would say level one. And I'm not talking about B one, B two, B B C one. I'm just really talking about your ability to feel that you are expressing yourself um accurately to the world yeah if that makes sense yeah it does yeah so yeah i mean we talk about b1 b2 c1 c2 you know a1 a2 a a2.2 and all those sorts of different uh, uh, distinctions between the levels you know the common european framework of reference or uh, maybe we refer to ielts or toic scores and things like that 
But a lot of the t those are objective ways of, of measuring language level, which obviously are important for just the practicalities of everything. But when we, we, we are the ones who are responsible for our language learning. And so we do have to have a sort of personal, subjective way of measuring our level. So yeah, you, you've, you've created this distinction for yourself there, which is level one, which is kind of like, yeah, being able to get by and not yeah. feel great about yourself necessarily, but just sort of like get by, you, do, you, you feel like a sort of a very contained version of, of yourself. Oh, oh, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the definition. You feel a contained version of yourself and you only feel 100% yourself when you are in your native language. I think then it's, it's true that you, what you say earlier, it's not an immediate jump where you all of a sudden become, oh, now I'm myself. It is days. I mean, I remember going home a few days that you were exhausted. You have been exposed to English all day. I think the concentration levels were, yeah, they are big because you need to actually make sure that you don't miss anything important. The way you express yourself, the words don't come easily to you. Um, you need to kind of find. So the level of concentration, I remember like getting very, very, very tired. And I, it wasn't one day that that didn't happen, but I remember like, as the year progressed, my, that second year, I was getting more like all the time I got home, I wasn't as tired mentally. And, you know, it's kind of starting to kind of all the time you wanted to say something and the right word came at the right time. And all those kind of little moments of magic or you kind of you find your words, you find that way of expressing those. Those are kind of not immediately obvious but all of a sudden you realize they happen much more often so you might have a, a really good day where you feel very proud the day after is kind of a bit down because you you feel a bit more clumsy mm. uh, but the days go by and and the, the, the good days are starting being much more frequent than the the off days and and that that's kind of a, a sense that one day you look back and say wow I don't feel tired. I it just and I just you, you feel like oh yeah yeah and that you are a bit more yourself. I've been more myself the last few weeks. You feel like you are getting to know people and they are getting to know you in a way that you feel no oh, that, that they are really getting an accurate picture for the better and for the worse, but an accurate picture of who I am. That's that kind of a, it builds over time. Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 very it's very true that it's you know it's not just one day you know mm. uh, regardless it's not one day you get there and they, and I agree also with you with the B two B I mean they are very functional things very useful things for companies for kind of you know having a benchmark but your own kind of sense of learning English is very internal uh, it is very much about how how much you feel that you are really representing yourself well uh, you know yeah and you. You test that internal level by going out of your comfort zone and seeing what happens. But yeah, yeah, it can be um, it can be quite a painful experience, can't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think that you always fight, have some some moments that you think, oh my god. And I think one of those moments for me was I remember I was watching TV one day and this person came on TV and I was with my flatmate. Um, uh, and, uh, and my family was from Nigeria, and I, I, I told him, "What? Tell me that this guy is not speaking English because I haven't understood a word of what the." Yeah. Oh yeah, he said, "Yeah, yeah, he's from Glasgow." <laughs> I was thinking, like, my God, I've been, I've been, uh, I mean, I've been here for at that point year and a half. I, I, I couldn't follow, and that that was kind of a depressing moment. Then obviously, <laughs> obviously, Glasgow accent ain't that <laughs> that accent to get by, but these these kind of moments were like. My God, what a waste of a year and a half! And then you know, I think I, 
today I would be able to understand at least 60% of a, a, a strong Glasgow accent. So that, you know, I, feel, oh, that's great. I feel a big progress. Yeah, that's that's a real test. I mean, you know, maybe yeah, Ox, that's, maybe that's Oxford real... should introduce the Glasgow test where, <laughs> where it's like, okay, you really want to see if you're proficient in English? Okay, go to Glasgow for 24 hours <laughs> and just, you know, see how, see how you survive. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, that, that's very interesting. That's All of this is fascinating. And then all stuff that it's very nice to hear you saying it, because this is all stuff that has occurred to me over the years and that I've tried to express as well. I always try and th- help my le- my listeners, you know, with these things. So I guess perseverance and positivity are, are really important, right? Perseverance, po- positivity and practice. There's three P's for you, listeners. Absolutely, and I, I think I think that's absolutely right. And also, um, that 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 sense of like not allowing fear. I think generally in life, but the fear of you know making a fool of yourself or making you know that type of thing is something you have to overcome. Because I, and, and I personally, I, I found that every time it's like, oh my god, I'm going to be here. I'm going to say something stupid. Or I remember I, I my, one of my first jobs um, in the organization, I had to kind of go and visit universities and try to present. Uh, product i was at that point i was um in the higher education side of things and i was presenting uh, uh, textbooks and content to university teachers and you know you are talking to very smart people etc and you kind of you have you know your lack of confidence like how is it and first of all i i found really generally people are very kind of you know certainly in my experience they were very kind of patient with you also but also uh, that that fear when you push yourself your limits you realize that you probably know much more than you thought you knew and and I think you don't test that out unless you kind of get out of that comfort zone so that perseverance and that kind of and sometimes when you get it wrong not step back but it's like almost like push forward you know yeah <laughs> it's like it's that 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 sense of uh, of perseverance I think is important yeah that's fascinating when you feel like you've made a mistake you've got quickly you've got a choice to make either you just kind of retreat into your shell as it were uh, where you where you essentially you're not going to get anything done it's a comfort zone but it's a defensive retreating into a defensive place but or you push against it as you said sort of lean into it and just like right never mind just keep going (laughs) it's going to be okay and, and laugh, I think I always find, and I think in the in the UK, there's, I think I, I found in the UK a very similar sense of humor to mine. So, so laugh about just self-deprecating, uh, you know, humor. humor is really helpful. You know, you made a mistake and you almost double up on that and just kind of, uh, you know, and that gives you a bit of a, a sense of like, you know, <laughs> of, 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 okay, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's make my weaknesses a little bit of a strength so, or something funny or something relatable. And I think that that really helps. It's, it's finding different mechanisms that allows you not to kind of retreat back, as you say, to your shell. You know, uh, everybody will have a slightly different approach. But I think it's for me, humor was a was a good a good sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we must laugh at ourselves every day. Uh, it, it's so important, and it's it's good for you too, isn't it? Laughter. I mean, it's you know, apparently, it's it's yeah. the best medicine. They say. I also think we have the tendency of like taking ourselves too seriously, and you know, life is much simpler than that. So I think when you love at yourself and you actually, <laughs> that that really helps to also, you know, keep you humble in a in a way, you know, uh, in in a in a daily in a daily <laughs> in a daily, um, you know 
pretty much with with everybody because I think you know when you say you know early on like uh, the boss of England I think I think it's a bit of a you know I always say when I you know I was visiting people like okay yeah uh, Oxford and before the British Council they must be in trouble to put uh, a Spaniard who can hardly speak English at, at the helm of uh, English teaching you know and and I think it's just, you just need to kind of put it out there because I think a lot of people will be saying is this guy you know he's making a lot of mistakes you know it's, it's not about that it's about you know really really kind of putting things out there right and taking it very seriously and is this going to be offensive or not i think when you say things in the right way and with the right um spirit you know things kind of uh you know things are you know less serious and much more natural yeah i do want to emphasize that point because there i mean we're kind of joking but there are some people who will be watching this or listening to this thinking as exactly what you just said. What, they, they let this guy run Oxford University Press's uh, English language teachings department? Um, and uh, that attitude, sorry, no, doesn't work. No, uh, we're not having that. Um, yeah. Right? We're not because... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I remember a visit when I was um, going to, I think I was, uh, you know, I was at the moment managing the British Council, also English division. So, and I was going, I think it was, uh, where was that? I think it was Saudi Arabia or, uh, that I was visiting there and the ambassador kind of, um, you know, uh, it was a, an event with ambassador. And I actually made that point, that, that joke initially. It's like, like, oh, he said, oh, wow, that's nice that, uh, that we just, uh, you know, we, we can laugh at that and we just that was the elephant in the room I think you know, in a way yeah you went yeah, to, you went to Saudi Arabia sort of like on a, yeah. on a business trip and yeah you, and a business trip and you know because you are on the British Council and that's depending on the foreign commonwealth uh, office uh, you know we, we're having a, a, a meeting with ambassador um, and I think you know I, I made a bit of that joke you know you, you know and and he said, "Oh, it's good that you know we have the elephant out of the room because obviously, you know, you know that is. And sometimes those things when nobody speaks to them, and I think um, English people in general are very polite, so they <laughs> they will wait for you to. Uh, I I rather kind of put it a bit uh, on the on the jokey way out there and just kind of uh, address that. And I think you know, in a way, I think it's quite useful that you kind of are." A learner yourself because you know the struggles etc but i think it's very much about you know the, the 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 ability to really laugh at that and just put it out there and some people will feel as always you know that well that i'm not sure i'm, I'm I, I i like that decision and some people will be wow that's very good that in a way it, it really kind of uh, doesn't matter as, as long as you can actually talk about it as you say you know uh, you probably were thinking about that uh, and if, if you don't put if you don't offer that then you might end up the conversation not talking about that and probably it's a, an interesting point to, yeah. to to discuss. People people get stuck on that and they're, they're just like, uh, but wait a minute, I can't I can't accept this. So you have to, <laughs> as you say, you you have to verbalise it. You have to, it's the elephant in the room, which is a lovely expression. Listeners, yeah, I, I don't know if everyone is aware of that expression, but the elephant in the room is when there's a situation that's really obvious, but no one is talking about it. As if you've got a huge <laughs> elephant in the room with you and it's like, you know, uh, and you're thinking, is anyone going to mention the elephant or should I not? <laughs> so like, um, yeah, the kind of the level of English of the, uh, of, of, uh, the, uh, head of, um, English language teaching at OUP. But I mean, it also shows, and this is maybe the, another important point is that actually it doesn't matter. And that, you know, um, it just proves that, there's ne not necessarily an end point in learning English or developing your English where 
you know, you get to a point where it's like, okay, now my English is at the acceptable or ready level. It's not, you know, um, I'm not expressing myself very well. My point is that it's important to just begin. I mean, even a native English speaker like me can completely uh, fail to express himself co- coherently. And I've got yeah. quite, you know, quote unquotes, uh, you know, uh, sort of correct British pronunciation. But it, that's that's only a small part of it. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know what my question is there, Santi, but uh, I guess <laughs> no. I think I think it's a, it's a reflection, isn't it? Because at the end of the, and actually, English was has one of these very magical. Um, you know, it's very few languages that you that will be in English uh, like English in the sense that. You know, when I at the beginning, I was always kind of okay. What's the accent? You know, like how can I get the accent? And and, and then you know, you start talking to somebody who has a phenomenal English, but it comes from from India, grammatically impeccable, but they have their own accent. You go to Australia, totally different accents. You go to the uh, U.S. and you know, depending where you are in the U.S., very very different accents and ways ways of expressing different words as well. But in the U.K. alone, you know, the Oxbridge accent. I mean. Uh, Birmingham, you go to the north. I mean, I was being fascinated by the north because, okay, you are in, I don't know, you are, you are in Sunderland and all of a sudden you go 50 miles or like 20 or 30 miles and the accent is very different. You, know? yeah. you go to Liverpool. I mean, it, it's like, so who who speaks properly? Who is? It is very kind of, I mean, obviously the exposure that you get initially from the BBC, etc., is more kind of the Oxbridge um you know, way of, of of speaking. You know, a Cockney one in East London is a very different. So I think eventually, I think that's also one of the strengths of that because that massive multiculturality that English has, a very very few languages. So Mandarin has a lot of people speaking, but is it a lot of, a lot of people speaking with much less influences as that? For instance, English. You know, in English, actually, you borrow words, you borrow expressions, you from different cultures, uh, countries that have been speaking English for many years, but new countries. So they are speaking. They have been speaking or exposed to English, and I think that's one of the kind of wonders of English, and that's one of the reasons I think is becoming a bit of the the, the, the language of the world, you know. Um, uh, and, and you can see that, and it's a wonderful thing, I, I believe, because you know, a language for me is always evolving, and I think English is evolving faster because it's exposed to more people and more ways of. of of, of expressing and different people finding different ways to expressing the same concept, which I think it makes the, the, the language richer. Yeah. English is an extremely diverse language, as you've just said, because of all these different sort of varieties, and especially in the, the pronunciation, the accents, the different accents there are. Um, not just American English and British English and stuff, but like, as you said, even within the country and all the different people who speak it as a global language and the different variations they have. So so the diversity of English can be a barrier or a problem for learners because obviously they, 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 there's two problems with that. One is like they think, which version of English should I be speaking? And and what's my target? You know, should I be speaking like perfect British BBC, the Queen's, the King's English, the Queen's English, you know, Oxbridge, as you said, should I be speaking like Luke from Luke's English podcast uh, or the person I hear on the BBC radio? Uh, and, and that might be a little unachievable because, you know, it's extremely hard to uh, get your English up to a level where there's no trace of your first language in it. So there's sure. that, there's that challenge of like, you know, what, accent should I be developing? How do I do it? And all, and, and, and this is too difficult potentially. And then the other part of the challenge is understanding everyone that you meet 
and being able to decode like the different yeah. versions from different places. Mm. So that that's difficult, but ultimately maybe as you say it's a strength. And I think learners yeah. have to try to think see it as a as a strength in the sense that I, I'm com- I, yeah, I'm convinced it's a strength. So for instance in your two challenges, I think the the important one is the second one. Mhm. Because the second one is the, the one that allows you to really communicate with everybody from different places. If you are able to understand different accents, different ways of expressing, different uh, nuances, uh, I think that's, the, that's where I would put an emphasis as a learner. The first one, actually, which accent do I learn in terms of how I pronounce things and how do I speak, etc. That for me is, a, I mean, in my experience, and that's kind of, I'm talking now more about uh, from a learner point of view, rather than the the um, MD of OUP, mm. is is that in a way that's part of your identity. So I mean, the way I come from where I come from, and I think actually it gives it gives information to you uh, to whoever you are talking to. They oh, where are you from? And they, you know, and it is part of who you are, right? And I, I didn't learn English when I was five years old. In which case, probably it's easier to get the pronunciation right, etc. Or I'm not gifted in terms of getting the pronunciation. So some people are gifted that they are not pretending. They really kind of adapt the, the, the accent so well that you hardly can notice where they come from. That's obviously not my case. But if it's not your case, I think like don't overspend too much on that because as long as you are understood and you i mean it's much more important to be understood and to and that you feel proud as we were saying before about your ability to to reflect who you are to the world and to the people who you are talking to and the next thing or at the same level it will be your ability to understand what the people are saying to you so you can get a good understanding who you are talking to and what they are trying to express. And it's, for me, are the main things. Then I'll, I think we sometimes overcompensate trying to kind of find a way to speak uh, properly, etc. I think for me, that's like once you get the other stuff, which are the basics, if we were talking to about the Maslow pyramid, that would be for me at the top. You know, if you want to then when you feel that you can communicate very well and you can understand everybody, then you want to work on an accent because you really like it, etc. Fair enough, but I could say first focus on on your ability to communicate on, and 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 to understand. I think that that will be my priority. I think that's the wonder of English. And actually, I quite like, love to be in a in a in a table in London and having everybody speaking English. And you know, maybe you are exposed with ten people to eight different accents. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. You know. Yeah, you, you got to think of it as a good thing. There's no, you know, there's kind of no other choice. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Really? Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it also makes me, what you just said makes me think of what David Crystal has said. I mean, when I asked him that question uh, about accents, you know, he broke it down to two things, which I think is something that we all know now, really, and, and he's helped us to understand this, that there, it comes down to uh, intelligibility and identity. Those are the two mm-hmm. aspects of, of this question of pronunciation. Yeah. The intelligibility is got, has got to be the most important one in the sense that um, that's the thing to focus on is being able to communicate and get your message across so that the person you're talking to knows exactly what it is you're trying to say. Um, and then, uh, but identity comes into play as well because, um, you know, you've got to also express who you are and um, part, part of that is having an accent. And English is a very broad church, you know, and, uh, and English is for everybody. So we can think of it like this, that you've got, if you're from Liverpool, then you're going to have, you know, you're going to speak with a bit, a bit of a Liverpool accent like that, you know, and um, and if you're from Spain, then you're going to speak with the, the, the sort of Spanish flavour of English. The English is like, yeah. it's like crisps. It comes in many different flavours, you know, and it's indeed. just like, oh, a new flavour. Wonderful. Yeah, indeed. And I, and, and, and I think, you know, so that that's one of, of the things that I think is wonderful. And for instance, my daughters who go to a bilingual school, they already have a much better accent than, than I do. Um, and then when probably in the future, somebody say, oh, how do you, how can do you speak with such a good uh, accent, you know, neutral, or ha- good accent? Yeah. They will be able, th- that will tell something, about, oh, because we went to a bilingual school, so that's not my case. So in a way, the, the, you know, it kind of tells the story of who you are, right? And I think yeah. the, the the point I was making earlier about I started learning English in in the UK. Probably that that also means the way I I learn and express myself is much more British than if I had been learning in a bilingual school here or in the US. So I mean, I the other day. Uh, my boss kind of uh, uh, say, oh, how are you doing, Santi? I had gone to Oxford. I was in Oxford and I say, yeah, not bad, etc." And, you know, I, I say that without even thinking, you know. I say, yeah, oh, not I, bad. So Santi, yeah, so Santi, so not bad. And so so, so thinking about that, it's like that. that's what it really comes naturally to me. I couldn't answer that in Spanish. In Spanish, the not bad is not you don't say not bad. You, you say, oh, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say not bad. It's a very British thing. You know, it's like, oh, let's be careful not, not, not to say too good because, you know, <laughs> you might, you, you, it might go wrong. And then, the, you know, you're, it's like this kind of not bad is something that the Americans will know. Oh, great. I'm great. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it is a very, so the, the way people actually express different things in different kinds, it has an, a cultural element to that. Mm. And I, my cultural element is more, inclined to that probably my daughters who are learning english but knowing the uk because i'm living here in spain they will have a much better accent but they will be speaking it with not that cultural heritage if you want or yeah. or, or, or weight that probably i learn it and then they might move there and then it's, it's a different story but i think all that is part of a, that when i was saying that you are a slightly different person in one one country it's because a language has has that cultural element that really shapes the way you kind of express yourself and think and express concepts and i think it's very it's wonderful and the more ways you have the richer the language is that's why i think english is becoming so fascinating Mm, mm. god where to where to go next santi i've got next to me on on my desk i've got some uh books which are published by oxford university press would you like to know what i've got in my hands here 
Yes, please. So the, the, on the top of the pile here, I've got the Oxford Collocations Dictionary for Students of English. Right. I'm sure you know the book. <laughs> yes, I do. Have you actually ever used it yourself? I actually I haven't. I cannot say I have. I would be lying to you if I say uh, I, when I if I look at something like that, it is when I pretend to understand what people are saying, and all of a sudden I go, "There's like what was what, what that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So this is where you can like look up words and uh, look up uh, the words that are often used with that word. For example, if we have the word, I don't know, um, decade, ten years. Then it shows us the adjective. So I'm giving some ad- free advertising here for OUP. You're welcome. Um, Thank you so much. <laughs> so decade, you've got uh, things like, you know, the current uh, common adjectives, the current decade, the present decade, also the coming decade, the ensuing decade, the following decade, and so on. It also shows us verb collocations to spend a decade, to span four decades. Which, which by the way, I think for a learner is one of the most important things that you can learn in in English. So, because I think English is a bit compared, certainly compared to Latin languages, with the grammar is, you know, almost like a, it, it is very structural. It's a very kind of English. Sometimes things are almost you know what to say or what 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 objectives will go after the word depending on the word, I mean, almost like the more you use it, the more kind of naturally comes, you know, it happens also with phrasal verbs as well, with collocations. And I think it is so important to really be exposed to that because once, the more exposed you are, the more natural that you, all of a sudden, you can come up to a word and you instinctively know what the right collocation will be. Mm. Uh, The same happens with phrasal verbs as well. You, You instinctively know. And some people ask me, why is that? Why, why could you put that instead? I say, I don't know why I could put here, you know, uh, the, but it kind of sounds right. It sounds right. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas in Spanish, it could be a rule yeah. uh, or Spanish or French or, or, or all the Latin languages. So I think it's, a, you know, uh, the collocations and the uh, and the phrasal verbs is very important to really understand what naturally goes with one. Yeah, don't know? try and learn one single rule that you can apply to exactly. all of them. Instead, it's just like learning case by case, learning the feel of English, learning that these words, you know, you say, um, uh, you know, one word and it's probably going to be followed by another one. You know, if, if we're dealing with uh, crack, like crack on, is exactly. a, it's a very exactly. common phrasal verb. You just hear people using it. What yeah. I guess what you might have to do is just think, well, I could try and understand the rule of what crack on means and why it's two words and and so on. We could do that, but sometimes it's better just to go, okay, crack on, let's crack on. You just learn, let's crack yeah. on, you know, it's time to crack on, meaning continue, meaning continue yeah. work. I mean, I, 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 absolutely. that's a good, ex- I mean, that's, yeah. and people will ask you, why is crack on? Why, why is not cracking? Or why, why is not something... I, you don't know. It's just because you have been exposed to so many other things that, you know, it's, it's, oh, come on, step it up. Come on. You know, what, you know, I, the app has a kind of a meaning that, you know, all of a sudden you start, start, start being logical. You, you, you cannot express that with a rule that I say, okay, you know, when the, when the verb it kind of has that, up will mean this, in will be, after will be, it, it has to be almost exposure, you know? Yes. It's a very kind of, um, it's a, it's a, and, and it, it ends up making sense to you, but it's not an immediate thing. So those kind of uh, collocations, the phrasal verbs, they, that, that logic, it has to be, it's one of the most tricky things, probably, I think, from learners coming from a more structured kind of uh, 
learning where everything has a rule, you know. Mm. Uh, but it's probably one of the elements where, as you were saying, uh, asking me earlier, when do you think it's, you kind of click certain things? When you feel that you are getting the right, the, the right combination of words, you feel like okay, I'm I'm I'm, I'm finally mastering, uh, you know, the, the language, you know. Mm. And, and I think that's a good a good acid test. So that's interesting exposure, as you said. I mean, I've been banging on about I've been banging on about this for years, but it's you know it's always good to to come back to these things. Exposure, 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 which just means listening Absolutely. a lot and reading a lot and sort of Absolutely. like letting the language leave its imprint on 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 your subconscious. Dr- dr- Drilling is key. I mean, drilling, drilling is key. That's what what do you mean by drilling? Okay. Uh, drilling on, on, on things that, for instance, uh, there are lots of people are now, and I think it's a great thing. So you go watch a, a, any kind of um, Netflix series, uh, Amazon Prime, etc. And you can actually watch it now in English in everywhere in, in the world. In the past, in Spain, you got to actually always dub it, get it dubbed. Now I can watch with my daughters pretty much every movie that, you know, in English. And, and, and then you kind of, you get you drill the things that you have learned. You kind of see them how they are they are exposed. But the, the point is, drilling is a different skill set. So I think being exposed to kind of the the, the language is fantastic. It's great for the ear, but many ways, many. I mean, if you look, if you if you kind of look at at uh, you know the, the f- film or series etc., the language variety that we get is quite limited. Reading it is very very important because it kind of gives you a different way to express things in a much more nuanced way. And I think what I mean by drilling is you really kind of need to actually get what you are learning in that reading. How do you apply that in the day? You kind of you try to kind of make sure that you you don't give up and you do go to the lazy thing. Everything is nice. Everything is pretty. Everything is cool. Yeah. Everything is is kind of go read listen, read, and then apply. And that, that kind of almost thing, and apply new things. Apply things that you haven't, uh, that you have read in a book that probably you don't use it very, because that's a, a way to actually, that becomes a natural part of your thing. And you need to do some drilling to kind of get so, that done, you know? Let, I just still want to define drilling because there's someone going, what, like, in the street, like, like that with a drill. Um <laughs> When we say drilling, we just essentially we mean repeating in a sort of almost repeating. like a mechanical way, uh, repeating what you've heard. So not just sitting there watching Netflix going, I'm going to understand this show and then I will learn English. Instead, you've got to take the things that you've heard and actually repeat them and try to use them. Now, that could mean like I talk about pronunciation drills in my premium uh, series, in my premium okay. episodes, which are available from teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. Um, <laughs> I often talk about pronunciation drills. That's where I basically give people sentences and I say them a number of times and they have to repeat them after me. And this is language that we've worked on. So that's drilling, but you can do it with Netflix. You just like listen to a sentence, pause, just make sure you've understood it and just say it yourself as well. You know, repeat and, and it. And use it, and use it. I mean, next next time, try to use it. To, in which context should I use that? You know, some things are quite quite uh, difficult to kind of find the right context, but it's always things like, okay, as a homework, I'm going to say, oh, that's an interesting expression, or is this an interesting thing to do that? So have almost that discipline of like, I'm going to make sure I'm going to use this type of, of exp- or this expression in the next three or four weeks, at least five or six times, because that, that it starts becoming 
an expression that you will play well. So you kind of ability to use different ways of expressing increases by that, by that kind of discipline, you know, yes. and that discipline is about, you know, repetition, you know forcing repetition. yourself to, yeah, it's like repetition. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, exposure, and repetition. exposure and repetition. We are, we're being very sort of rambly here and lots of tangents, but that's normal. On, sorry, on, sorry. That's okay. Yeah. That's totally normal on my podcast. So there's something like the Oxford Collocations Dictionary, again, free advertising you to send me a check in the post if you want. But um, I will. Um, the, the, uh, the Oxford Collocations Dictionary can be a great reference guide for yeah. you, which yeah. you can which can work with you. It's not the only thing you should use, and other dictionaries are available, yeah. but uh, you, you're exposing yourself to English, but then when you kind of have a question, like you've got a word, and you think, mm, I'm curious about the word forgive, for example, and we, you know, you notice from these things that it's like, oh, to be able to forgive, I'm not sure I will be able to forgive him. You know, to be able yeah. to forgive, um, to beg someone to forgive you. Like, you know, she begged him to forgive her, you know, those sorts of things. And it's quite interesting. It sort of like helps you to uh, reflect in an active way on the, th the language you've noticed and also helps you check things. So anyway, that's pretty good. Um, I've got two other books here. What do you think are the most, uh, can you predict the two other books I've got? They're course books. They're course books. Yeah. Will you have a? I I think I'm, give me a sense if it's adults or adults. Yeah, I teach adults. I don't I don't actually teach children except for my daughter, uh, but I don't teach kids. So I, my experience is in teaching so adults. English, so you'll you'll have English file. There. Yay! Ten points. I have English file, <laughs> upper intermediate students book here. This is the third edition. It's a right, work. Okay. It's an absolute workhorse. This this book. It's been used and yeah. again and again and again. This one actually does belong to the British Council, I think, unless they actually just gave it to me. So, um, <laughs> so if, if my boss is watching this, going, uh, it's here. I'll give it back if you want. I promise. Um, so there's English file upper intermediate, and the other one you're never going to guess which one this is. Well, you might. You might. It's a very very the other very popular very commonly used headway, headway. but look yeah. at this look at this i could ebay this i've got wow. a copy of headway advanced first edition that's that's now you know, it will be it'll be very very expensive now this is like <laughs> a, a gem of the past <laughs> That's first edition, my God. And now I've got a first edition. Again, to be honest, it does belong to the British Council. Um, so, you know, just for everyone's information, um, this doesn't belong to me. I've borrowed so, it. But uh, Yeah, you have, you, you have some of the really big uh, products that we've just been using for a, a long time. I think there have been – so many people have learned with those, with those books, you know? I think so, yeah. I mean, I could now go into – we don't have time, unfortunately, I think. But I, I, what I, another thing I'd like to do is kind of go back to what I learned on my Delta, my diploma in English language teaching sure, to adults. Yeah. One of the exam tasks was that they would give you a couple of pages from a published course book and you had to analyse it and break it down and then give a lesson plan of how you would use it to teach a certain group of students, which is a very interesting exercise because it taught me that, every single detail in these books has been carefully thought through and that there is a method behind all of it. There's a yeah. method to the madness, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, is this a question I'm asking myself that I'm asking to you here, Santi, or is this just a statement? I don't I mean, know. I mean, I think, I think, I think uh, people doesn't realise how much thought, I mean, I'm, 
I'm, you know, I'm not an editor, obviously, and I'm not a, an author. I'm a, actually more of a learner, and obviously now I'm in, the, in kind of the managing kind of uh, positions. But I've been in kind of educational industry for all my like twenty something years of my work life, and people don't realize how much time and effort that goes into kind of designing like methodologies to kind of learn and how actually edition from edition improve and you kind of keep on thinking other and i think it, it is a wonderful thing because normally this is not like a, a best-selling author here it's not like a tom clancy you know the, the people who do this is uh, out of like really their own experiences their own teaching etc and they are not going to become rich out of this it's about it's a lot of love in some of those things you know yeah. and i think it's that that point that you made about like how much thought has been almost you know, in every single page there. It is, it is quite humbling, to be honest. It is. Um, maybe th- this is this has got to be another episode for another time for my podcast where maybe I just like take a sample, just take a page and go, oh, look, this is, they, they start with some speaking. Um, this means that, you know, it's important to uh, do plenty of speaking in your English lessons and speaking about the subject that you're going to be then uh, reading about or listening uh, to. Um, and this tells us that if you want to um, uh, understand a r- reading text better, you need to like get yourself thinking about the subject of that reading text, the topic of it, and start predicting what you might expect to find in it and start relating it to your own personal experience. For example, here's a text about air travel, right? So you right. just think about, you know, go on a plane and what are the issues related to air travel these days? And if you kind of go through that mental process and try and express yourself about it, uh, you're going to be able to understand the text better. You know, it does t- it does teach you about the psychology of learning a language, um, not yeah. only uh, learning a language in a group or teaching it to a group, but just, you know, how we can approach uh, uh, different tasks and things. There's so much for us to talk about, Santi. I think uh, indeed, Luke. I mean, it's a uh, it's been a fantastic uh, opportunity to actually talk about some things that I think is just quite quite interesting that you don't get to, to to talk in a daily basis. But I think I'm very very passionate about 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 this. And actually, you know, I always say it has changed my life so much uh, being able to uh, learn English in terms of like obviously professionally, which you know is I'm I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. But personally, I mean, I've been able to know, meet so many amazing people that. For instance, my parents would have never been able to meet because they they didn't speak the language. And I think being exposed to to so many different cultures, regions, uh, uh, experiences, you know, well, I mean, it, it's just it's a life changing thing. So I think I'm so kind of happy to be to be first of all dedicating my kind of professional life to this uh, segment sector, but secondly also to be able to talk about some of those things in a more kind of relaxed way with with you. So so really appreciate that you inviting inviting me over. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um and um good luck with the role and everything, you know, and uh uh yeah, I don't know. Uh, so there there was one thing you at the o- OUP recently you've been talking about gift words right yeah uh, which are words yeah. that english has english is sort of like being given by other languages and so on can you give us yeah. just like a couple of uh let's say gift words words in english that have come from another language that you can just think yeah. of off the top of your head so, so for instance i think one one is a very specific one and one like kisotic uh, you know uh, you want to that's a very kind of i mean i i love that because it comes from you know our Shakespeare was it was Cervantes, you know, who did the Quixote, and he's like this kind of um, this kind of 
knight who was actually fighting against windmills, etc. Because he 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 looked at the wall in a different. So I think when I I heard the first time that expression and I, on on I think uh, uh, somebody was like, oh, let's let's just start doing exotic fights and and, and it's like, can I stop you there, Santi? Because yeah. um, right, we just need to slow down on that one a bit. Uh, you yeah. you said kissotic, right? Yeah. Is that the, so? That's I'm going to have to check this now because this, okay, this word came up recently on the podcast uh, with a couple of my friends. Uh, We talked about this word and um, I'm now having a personal doubt about how to actually pronounce it. You're saying quixotic. Uh, Do we say chaotic and quixotic as well, possibly? Um, I'm going to check. I'll check the Oxford Learner's Dictionary. Can, you know, that's good that's good I could have checked Collins could have checked uh, Cambridge uh, no uh, you, you you chose the right one <laughs> <laughs> okay so um, okay so in, in in the Oxford Dictionary it's noted as quixotic quixotic okay Quix, that's good. quixotic okay and it comes it's q-u-i-x-o-t-i-c and it uh, comes it, yeah it comes from um, the character as we say in British English Don Quixote. How do you say it Don in Quixote. Don Quixote? Quixote. Yeah, we will use that that strong. Yeah, Quixote. <laughs> Is that in, in in in? Are there any other versions of that in in uh, Spanish or different? Well, not no in Spanish. Catalan. No, but in Catalan. In Catalan, for instance, it will be much softer. It will be much, much similar to uh, Quixote. You know, because they don't have the the that, that kind of a strong sound. Okay. Uh, but but yeah. So I mean. I, I, it's quite good for me to, you know, so quixotic. Quixotic, yeah. Quixotic okay. meaning um, having or involving ideas or plans which show imagination but are not practical. Exactly. See, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it is, it, I mean, it, it comes from that character. It was like looking, at, you know, living in the clouds. So, for instance, when I when, when I was listening, I was like, I didn't realize that was in the English language because I think it was like, and it was kind of to describe somebody like, okay, yeah, fantastic uh, plan, but that's not, that has nothing to do with, uh, that's not going to be not practical. Uh, realistic. Like, yeah. I, I'm thinking of like a football manager, football coach who's got lots of crazy ideas and is very conceptual but the actual practicalities of them running a successful football team. I can't think of... Can you think of a quixotic football manager off the top of your head? I, I, I think, um, you know, in... in you know, people who have been trying to imitate Guardiola in terms of, like, the Pep, passing all, all about... Pep Guardiola, you know, Pep Guardiola from Guardiola. Manchester City. Yeah, but but he is not because he actually uh, quixotic because he's actually managing to get it through. Yeah. There's some of uh, Spanish teams who have been actually trying to imitate his way of playing, passing, passing. When the, he they don't have the players to actually do that. And it's like yeah, yeah, the idea is ph- phenomenal, but to be honest, it's not it's not it's not very realistic, you know. Yeah. Uh, more 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 when I've been exposed to that, I've been more exposed to that in the sense of like when you actually put in a, a strategy together and thinking, okay, I think we are we just need to actually create this amazing product which you think like i mean yeah fair enough but you are actually assuming that we're going to have levels of artificial intelligence that we don't have we are you know it's like uh, that would be a quixotic kind of uh, a strategy which is absolutely great in terms of the ambition not very practical yes um, imaginative, hopeful, but unrealistic. Um, exactly. So uh, he's always lived his life by a hopeless, uh, quixotic code of honour. By the way, that's from that's from Collins. 
<laughs> using yeah, one yeah. of your competitors. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples because we know, you know, those collocations are so important. So um, a quixotic person, quixotic plans. Um, um, I'm trying to find uh, uh, um, a quixotic person, for instance, would be in my, but it, it kind of proved the world that it wasn't as quixotic as, as, as everybody thought. I could have, say, Mandela or, or Gandhi, in terms of like if you are explaining, they could, a lot of people could have said, well, they are quixotic. I mean, those main ideas, you will never be able to revolutionize something with no, with, with no, and they managed to get it. So sometimes the quixotic approach ends up paying off. But to start with, it will be things like, okay, you really are going to change something with peace, et cetera, in the, today's world, it's, it's stuff like that. That will be, for instance, uh, something that, you know, you might describe as quixotic, but actually it ends up, it's a, it ends up paying off yeah down the line yeah so it's a funny word because when we're learning words we want to know if they're broadly negative or positive and quixotic is probably a bit negative but it can be used in a positive way because you know yeah i mean for instance when you describe there in the collins down as quixotic person i could say the quixotic person it could be a person i would like to meet yeah because i think it no it it kind of the heart is in the right place and there's interesting people to meet so now it's negative in the sense that probably would uh, you know a lot of the ideals are not very kind of uh, fitted to today's world. You know, it's, it's going to get it's going to get a slap in the face. You know, which actually is what happens to uh, the, the the character in the book. You know, I mean, different adventures really are slapping him all the time. You know, yeah. but he's still kind of keeping with his high ideals. He doesn't compromise on that. So in a way, it's positive in that sense. Like, you know, you really go and and uh, it's negative in the sense of freaking. It's quite sad to watch it from the outside. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's quite also inspiring to, to to kind of being exposed to that. So it's an interesting word that we we are ending on here because um, to an extent the learning of English is a sort of a quixotic endeavour, in in the sense <laughs> that there, there's a lot of failure, a lot of high hopes, and a lot of imagination, a lot of craziness involved in it, a lot of illogical things, and we try and try, and it's like a mission that we're always destined to fail, but we carry on doing it anyway, and then on those good days things just. You know, get more successful than we have our quixotic days as well. Um, and actually, you know, to, to re- reinforce the point you made earlier, the, uh, uh, Quixote, uh, he never gave up. It's the perseverance, mm. you know. So you keep on going to to that to that end goal. You don't you don't give up because he kind of you know is the, the the goal is worth the pursuit. You know. Yeah almost the success is less important than the pursuit in that sense you know so so i think that's an interesting it's 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 about the journey it's not about the destination yeah yeah we could keep going for ages but it's time to stop thank you so much uh santi for taking the time to talk to me thank you so much a pleasure and yeah you know anytime that you you want to have a chat uh, i'm available brilliant okay cheers have a nice rest of the day same you and merry christmas you too merry christmas okay Take care. Bye-bye. So there you go. That was great. I loved that conversation. It was so passionate. There was It was so enthusiastic. So many tangents going from this to this to this. I hope you were able to keep up with it. Okay. You might want to listen to it again. That would be a good idea because there's a lot of stuff to be gained, I think, from this, not just in terms of individual words and things and lots of phrases and stuff that we both used, but just in terms of what we have to remember about the the correct attitude for learning a language. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, you should maybe listen to it again just to let some of those ideas sink in. You, sh you could reflect on some of the things we said and some of the conclusions that we came to. Um, just at the end here, I'd like to just say these things, just a few little statements, just a, a few little uh, sort of pithy statements that, um, well, uh, express again some of the things that we just talked about. So, first, to borrow a catchphrase from the All Ears English podcast, you know about them, don't you? All Ears English. Uh, to borrow a catchphrase from them, it's about connection, not perfection. Okay? Speaking another language, trying to learn another language, trying to be uh, effective in communication with another language. It's about making that connection, even if the things you're saying are not perfect in some objective way. It's about making a connection uh, with the, the people you're communicating with, rather than about using some perfect, objectively perfect version of English. So it's about connection, not about perfection. Focus on the human connection and let the language learning sort of come um, as a kind of consequence. The, 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 the language must serve your desire, your sincere desire to make a human connection with the people you're communicating with. So put that first. Um, use English today. What are you waiting for? Don't just think, okay, I'm going to just learn English and learn English and learn English and then it'll be ready. And then bing, the, the oven in which I'm cooking my English will go bing and then I'll open it out and there it will be, it'll be ready. No, you're going to have to start using it now. Okay. Uh, another thing, learning a language can be painful. It can be. It can be a painful process with failure and you can feel like a stupid idiot sometimes, but we all feel like that. Me too, every day when I try and speak French. Okay. Uh, it can be painful, but we have to just persevere. Just keep going. It will get better. Okay. So keep your chin up, meaning stay positive. Keep calm and carry on. Those three Ps, do you remember? Perseverance, positivity and practice. Perseverance, positivity and practice. Okay. Um, another thing, exposure is so important. That means um, listening a lot and reading a lot. One of the things that shocked Santi when he first arrived in England was that suddenly he came face to face with the spoken version of English, which he'd never heard before, as he said. He'd learnt English on paper and all the rest of it in classes like we do when we're kids at school, but he'd never actually spent time listening to English being spoken and kind of trying to connect with it. So listen a lot, read a lot as well, socialise a lot in English, listen to Luke's English podcast. Um, failure, when failure happens, you have to lean in, lean into it. Okay, don't hide from it. You lean into it. So lean in is a nice expression. Imagine, so to, to, to describe or explain uh, that expression, to lean into something. Imagine if you're in a strong wind, you go outside and it's, the wind is blowing hard. Um, what do you do to avoid being blown over by the wind? You can, you could obviously just hide from it, but you've got to lean into it like that. And you walk down the road and lean into the wind in the same way. You've got to kind of lean into failures. 
Lean into those embarrassing moments and just press forward and keep going. Don't hide from it. It's a human reaction to hide from embarrassing failures and things. Trust me, I know exactly how that feels when I've tried to speak French and I've failed and then I'm just like, ah, I just want the ground to swallow me up. That's a human response, but we've got to try, if we can, to just lean into those failures and don't try not to be too bothered by them. Okay. But if you do hide from failures, that's okay. You're only human after all. Uh, English is a broad church. There's a lot of diversity in it. Lots of different accents and different versions of English in English speaking countries, but also all around the world. And this is a strength because your version of English is part of it too. So don't worry about your accent too much. Work on it, of course. Practice being clear listen and repeat. But at the same time, have a balanced approach. Keep it real. Don't worry if you don't sound exactly like me. It hasn't stopped Santi. He is a success and he's a success in English and you could do it too. Okay. I think that's it. I think that's all I'm going to say. Thank you so much again for listening to the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Leave your comments and stuff. We'd like to know what you think. Um, don't forget to be kind, be excellent to each other and have a lovely day, afternoon, morning, evening or night. And I will speak to you next time. But for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.